You may ask, how did this tradition get started? I'll tell you. I don't know. But it's a tradition. And because of our traditions, every one of us knows who he is and what God expects him to do. Hello everyone and welcome to Let's Talk Torah. I am Rabbi Tzvi Jacobson with NRM Streamcast. And we'll spend our time talking Torah, learning stuff, and having fun while we learn. You can always send your questions and comments to our mailbag and I will answer as many as I can. That's at letstalktorah at gmail.com. So, so many things are going on. It's Passover, it's coming up, and we're cleaning, and we're preparing, and the children are going over what they're going to say and looking for their hiding places for Afi Coleman. All kinds of great stuff is happening. But in the spirit of cleaning, so I, uh, I recently saw a story. I, I, I'd seen this story many times before. Um, I didn't know all the names in the story, but here's a fascinating story, and it happens to connect to this week's Torah portion. This week's Torah portion is Tzav. The beginning of the Torah portion talks about that every morning... The a, one of the Kohanim, one of the priests, would have to take a little bit of ashes off the off the altar, and he put on the side of the altar, and then they would clean up all the ashes and take them out and uh, rebuild the 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 bonfire. And again, every day that was part of the service. Okay, with that knowledge, so there was an aspiring young Torah scholar who came to the holy Stipler Gon. The Stipler was one of the great Jewish leaders. He passed away, I think, in around 86. I was actually in Israel. I just got into Israel. And a few weeks later, he passed away. I went to his funeral. Hundreds of thousands of people there. Hot day like anything. And anyways, this scholar came to him and says, you know, you know, I, I, have, I have a problem in my marriage and in my home. And I, I wrote down all the details because I, I, I wanted to make sure that it's clear exactly what I'm going through and the great stipler should tell me what I should do. Let me tell you what happens. I study all day. Okay? I'm very studious. And on Friday I come home and the scene in my house is chaos. The table isn't set. The kitchen is barely clean. The children haven't even had their baths yet. How can I concentrate on my studies when I have to deal with such problems? Okay, this was the student's question to the stipler. Stipler read the paper, looked into the young man's face. He spoke to him in Yiddish. And he says, Rebbeinu Yonah asks... Why in this week's Torah portion, it's what I already prepped you with, why in this week's Torah portion uh, do we find cleaning off of the altar right next to bringing of one of the sacrifices, actually the Ola sacrifice, the sacrifice completely burnt? What does cleaning off the altar have anything to do with this sacrifice? So he said, Rabbi says, a person needs to realize that sometimes what he thinks is beneath him, is below his dignity, is a menial job, right? But in God's eyes, it could be at the top. Cleaning off an altar, 
you could look at it as being very unimportant. While in truth, it's massively important. Otherwise, there wouldn't be a command to clean it off. So therefore, when a person is striving to grow in his spirituality, he should never look down at uh, what he considers menial, simple chores. Then the stipler looked at the man and he said, you want to know what to do? So the young man shook his head and the stipler said, grab a broom and help out. And that story has more lessons than anyone could imagine. But we are now in the Passover cleaning season. So even though I technically am on vacation, so I should have an opportunity to go ahead and do some extra study. But that's not what's happening in my house. In my house, my wife is, of course, doing the super bulk majority of everything. But I make sure to continually ask, what would you like me to do? Go downstairs and get this. Come upstairs and bring up this. Go over here and get this. Go to this store and pick this up. I could be running around to do a bunch of tiny little things. But it, it, it relieves some of the burden. And at least I can feel like I'm doing something, right? Like, you know, I'm certainly not doing the important stuff. But, um, but that's what we need to do when we see that a job is not being done and uh, we think it's beneath us. Sometimes we got to pick up the broom and start cleaning. And that way, hopefully, even though it's unlikely, but uh, if I can alleviate some of the work at home, and then when it comes time for the Seder, my wife can actually sit down and enjoy what's going on without being super exhausted, okay, then I've been successful. Okay. You know, on the same page, there was a joke. I'll tell you a quick joke. And then we're gonna, then we got to get into more about the Seder. We got to get prepared. We got to be ready, know what to do. Anyways, um, the uh, Rav Natalitz Horowitz um, once said, he said it was Shabbos HaGadol, that's usually the Sabbath before Passover, where the rabbis would give speeches. He said, I gave a speech imploring the rich to help the poor, which, by the way, is an, an ancient custom that people do give money to organizations to make sure the poor have food to eat for the holiday. Very, very important that people are poor. People can't afford it. Stuff costs money. So if, they, if we help the poor and, they, and we make sure they have all the food they need, they come into the holiday so relieved and so relaxed and so happy. It's a beautiful thing. So he says, I gave a speech and I implore the wealthy people to help the poor. In the end... I was only partially successful. The poor willingly accepted everything I said. It was the rich people. I'm not so sure if they were in agreement. Okay, fine. Let's go on. So many papers here. So, something else uh, I saw somebody mention recently. Sent me an email. You should think about this. You know, um, what lesson are you taking from your Passover Seder? And what lesson are you trying to give over? Do you have a lesson? You may have a thousand lessons. You may be a very, a very wise person. You may be, may be very knowledgeable. But do you have at least one thing? And could you say what it was? It's an interesting thing. Can you actually tell me what lesson you want to give over? Now, I, you know, I might have a whole bunch. I know what I'm doing. But what are you doing? Right? I don't have to answer the question for you. It's something to think about. In any case, 
Let's talk about the four sons. Number four is a big deal, right? We have the the four phrases of freedom and the four cups of wine, and we have the the four questions, and we have the four sons. It's interesting. It's just four. It would seem they're opposites. We have the wise son. We have the wicked son, right? And that's a very interesting. You have to think about that one. It doesn't say the righteous son and the wicked son because a kid is not righteous. He might be a nice boy. He might do what he's supposed to do. He's not righteous yet. He's too little. But he's wise. And they have the wicked one. So is the wicked one also wise? We didn't say the wise son and the stupid son, right? We said the wise son and the wicked son. So that's the first thing. Maybe they're not exactly opposites. And I was, but the wise son, at least according to this, the wise son wants to learn to do. He wants to know, and that you'll look in the language of your Haggadah, you'll see it's clear. The wise son wants to know, how do I fulfill what God wants of me? How do I do it? How do I eat the matzah, and how do I eat the marar, and how do I eat the, the Passover sacrifice, at least in those days, and, and leaning, and, and saving room to eat, and what else are we going to do? Right? The wise son, what makes him wise is not that he has the knowledge but he, he, he's intelligent enough to know that I need my father, grandfather, who's ever running the, the show, teach me what I need to know. Teach me. The wicked son, the reason why he's opposite is because he doesn't want to learn. He doesn't want to know what he's supposed to be doing. Right? So again, the wise son wants to know what to do. So the opposite is the wicked son. He doesn't want to know what he has to do. We're going to spend a lot of time on this wicked son, but I just wanted to, you know, get these things out in front. Then we have two other sons. We have the simple son, who seems more in line with the opposite of the wise son. He's just not intelligent. So he sees things going on. Generally, people will look at these next two sons as younger children. They see stuff happening. They know things are going on that are different. Even if they were taught about it, I know I'll have, uh, looking forward, some of my grandchildren will be by my say, they're, they're little children, four years old, five years old, six years old. They're little. So even if they learned all this stuff in school, but the experience, it's late at night, and they, they just see everyone doing, this is not you know, a regular Sabbath. This is, this is like wild. Like, what's going on over here? Their eyes are wide open, and they're there just to soak it in. They may not be able to ask the intelligent question, how do I do things correctly? But they can say, what's going on over here? Like, help me out. And we help them out. Uh, my children all know that, uh, that there's the basic answer, and then there's the details. Right? The basic answer is that we were slaves to Pharaoh in Egypt, and God in his mercy took us out of Egypt. That's the answer to all the questions. You want the details? You want you want to you want to know intricacies? Okay, we can deal with that also. Then we get to the last son. He is the Shaini of the Elishal. He does not know how to talk. He doesn't know how to ask. Even that child, who, whether it's lack of intelligence, whether some will say disinterest, which is a nice word. However, you're going to look at that. Last son, even to that son, we're going to talk, right? And eventually, the goal is the message will hopefully go in. As I told you in the last show, if you didn't listen to the last show, 
Make sure after this one you listen to it, lots of good stuff about Passover and just what's going on and what we're trying to accomplish. Um, and we talked about that I got to I gotta live the night of Passover. We say it, we say it in the Haggadah. Everyone has to look at himself like he's leaving Egypt. So my son-in-law told me a story that uh, he had heard that uh, a father, a grandfather was telling over the story of Passover as if he himself left. It was about all the suffering, and one of his grandchildren was crying. So my son-in-law asked me, would I do the same thing? Would I be impressed? I said, you know, children nowadays, you know, they don't, they don't go for this stuff, I don't think. Right? If I would try to say that I actually left Egypt, they would look at me like I'm crazy, and they would, uh, you know, forget the whole business. It doesn't mean that I don't repeat over and over. We have to have that feeling that we're leaving Egypt. Because again, in that I said in the last show that that Slan Mahagada that my son-in-law got for me, it, it's we are leaving Egypt because we're rebuilding our relationship with God. We're rebuilding our relationship with love with God. Okay, all this we talked about in the last show. You're gonna have to go back down. Listen, I don't have time for this one. Like it's worth repeating, but I'm not gonna repeat it. But but as I as I told you, the more repeated, the more it gets into their bones. That's what it gets into us, it gets into them, and we have to have that feeling, that love, that relationship we're building with God on this night that God took us out and is continuing to take us out. So, what I wanted to fixate a little bit today is this wicked son. Like, First of all, it's a, it, it is interesting, and the verse mentions this. The verse says, the wicked son is going to ask you, and it goes through his question. Like, what are you guys doing over here? Now, first of all, what's he doing there? Again, I guess in many houses, it's true that the children must be by the table for supper, and they may not leave the table without permission. I don't know. My house doesn't work that way. I hope you come to the table. It's nice to see you. If you stick around, it's beautiful. If you're not going to stick around, what am I going to do, tie you up? But... What's the wicked son doing there? This is not his thing, right? He doesn't care about all this stuff. Why is the wicked son there? So for whatever reason, this this more than disinterested, this child who seems to want to attack what's going on, it's the father's job to answer. And when we don't know the answers, we're allowed to say, you know, that's a real good question. Let's go ask somebody. We're all so afraid. Teachers, others... Oh, I don't know the answer. It must be something wrong with me. I, I can't admit to not knowing the answer. Why can't you admit to not knowing the answer? I, obviously, if you have a job and you're a computer programmer or, and every time we ask you to do something, you say you don't know how to do it. Okay, this is not the job for you. But as a parent, as a teacher, as a rabbi, it's okay not to know an answer. Let me get back to you on it. I like the question. I never thought of it the way you're asking. I want to think about it to give you a clear answer. Or let's go find a bigger rabbi to get the answer. We're not afraid. There's an answer there just because I might not know it or you may not know it or this father may not know it. So we, we can't be afraid when our children ask us questions. Children asking us questions is a good thing. And perhaps that's why it says when the Jewish people found out that they were going to have sons that would be wicked and would ask him these pointed questions, it says they bowed down and thank God. So what are they bowing down and thanking God for? Your kid's a rebel. The answer is, as long as my child is talking to me, then there's hope. He's going to ask questions. He's going to ask pointed questions. Why are you doing this? 
What a waste of time. What a bother. Why? Which we're going to talk about all the different meanings of the wicked son momentarily. But he's asking me questions. There's open communication. Uh, I can talk to him. And if he's open to ask the question, he'll be open to the answer. And if I can't give the right answer, no problem. We'll find somebody who could give him the answer. We'll go together. I'll send him on his own. I'll go get the answer. I'll bring him back the answer. You don't like the answer. We'll go back and forth. I'll be a yo-yo. Whatever it takes. Nothing to be afraid of just because I don't have every single detail completely worked out. So, let's talk about this wicked son. Some say the wicked son is saying that this whole business is a bother. Right? Well, got to slaughter this animal, and you got to roast it, and you got to eat this matzah, and you got to eat this... What's, what, what's, 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 what's the bother over here? Why, why is God bothering you? Right? What, what, what do you mean? What, what's the bother? So we tell the wicked son, you misunderstood the whole point, right? You wicked son, you think it's all about you. So you don't want to bother doing other stuff. It's not all about you. It's all about, as we keep saying, it's all about our relationship with God. God loves me. This is how he wants me to build a relationship. Great. For you, you're selfish. It takes you out of your comfort zone. You don't want to do it. But if you understood that you're, we're, we're doing this to build a relationship, so what's the problem? That's one angle at looking at the, um, at the wicked son. Here's another one for you. The wicked son says, you know, you tell me Passover is the holiday of freedom. We've been in exile a very, very long time, 2,000 years and counting. We've been in exile for 2,000 years and counting, so uh, we're not free. So if we're not free, what are you celebrating for? So it is fascinating because this kind of question has been asked, what do you think... You know, there are stories, even during the Holocaust, where they would, you know, somehow get some flour and water and make some matzah in the Holocaust, in a concentration camp. Your Muranos in Spain, your, you know, during pogroms, the Jewish people have always gone through dif- difficult times, and you would never call them free. So wh- why are we busy saying we're free next year in Jerusalem? Yeah, free. Well, what's free about you? The answer is we confuse freedom of my body and freedom of my spirit. As I am free, again, in some countries they didn't let you practice any religion you wanted. Here, obviously, in America, we're blessed. You can practice freedom of, of religion. And, uh, you know, by law, I can do whatever I want. No one has the right to stop me from practicing my religion. Nobody has, a, nobody has the right to stop me here on the air to talk about my freedom of religion, that freedom of spirit, this that I have my right to serve God the way I want to serve God as a Jew, right? God gave me the Torah, so I have my rules and regulations, fine. But my freedom of spirit allows me to serve God, right? Even if I'm not a free man and I'm, I'm in another country and at different times in history we have to worry about uh, people breaking down the doors and doing who knows what. So that's what's going on. The wicked son says, you're not free. We have to explain to, the, to this child we're very free. Another possibility, the wicked son is saying, 
and I had this discussion with my uh, with a friend of mine last night. Um, the wicked son says, "What do you need all this stuff you're doing?" There's a lot of if you realize the night of the seder, we do a lot of stuff. We're dipping murrah and we're dipping the potato and we and we're eating matzah and we're drinking wine and we're singing the hal. We're doing a lot of stuff, right? So the wicked son says. All you need to be is a Jew at heart. If in your heart you feel a relationship with God, that's all you need. No need for action. And that's not really true. And that we've talked about in the past. And that's what I was telling you the last show. Again, if you, if, you, uh, if you have time, go listen to the last show. We talked about the introduction uh, from the Ramchal in, in the Mesil Shisharim, where he explains that that he's about by repetition, by saying things over and over and over again, it goes from my brain to my heart. So too, by the way, we, I can't remember, we talked about this a couple weeks ago in a show, I have to remember which one, uh, but that same concept, that when I do something physical, right, I need, it's not good enough for it to be in my heart. It, 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 it doesn't do anything for me. What happens is when I do a physical action, that physical action will translate into helping me build my spirituality. And that's what we're explaining to the wicked son. It's not good enough to say you're a Jew at heart, because first of all, it's probably not true. And second of all, it doesn't work. You can't be a You could try, but it, uh, trust me on this one, it doesn't work. You can't be a Jew at heart. It just eventually goes away. And even if you think you're good, your children, it was in your heart. I don't know, I don't know what you're talking about, right? So it, it never made it to their heart, even if it's in your heart, which is not. Um, it's certainly not passing on to the children. And just look at the world outside and you'll see that I know what I'm talking about. One more for you as my time is ticking, ticking, ticking. Um, the Maggot of Kaza said like this, a little different. The wicked son is saying, do you recognize every time you Jews go ahead and do a mitzvah, you're always eating and drinking, Right? Right? Every time we turn around, we just had Purim, eating and drinking. Sabbath, you're making festive meals. Sukkot, you're out there in your hut eating. Every, a bris, a wedding, a bar mitzvah, you're always eating. Right? What is all this eating business? So again, that's really a follow-up of what we just said. Because the, the wicked son cannot comprehend that I can use my physical to build on my spiritual. He thinks one has nothing to do with the other. They're totally separate um, things. There's physical, spiritual, the two don't meet. And there's other religions that believe that also, by the way. It's not true. We actually, that's exactly what we're doing. We're going to do a lot of physical things, and all these physical actions will help me build up my own spirituality. That's what's going on. And then I think there's a more important lesson from all of this, and that's why I think I wanted to spend time about it. As I told you, um, the, the preparation leading into Passover is, is our preparation for building a new relationship, but not a relationship of fear, of awe, but a relationship of love. So, you know, God can look at me and say, come on, Jacobson, you did this thing wrong, you did that thing wrong, you did the other thing wrong. You're not a perfect fellow. So I have my Seder. And I say, God, look, we'll deal with any child over here. 
four sons, right? We'll deal with all of them. We understand people make mistakes. People are not perfect. I'm also not perfect. So God, I can uh, put up, great rabbis have said this, right? You know, I can deal with the imperfections of humanity. And as a father, I can deal with my own imperfections. I'm good at that. But I can even deal with the imperfections of my own children, where they live up to what I want, they don't live up to what I want. But we can deal with it. So God, I'm asking you to do me a favor. Deal with my imperfections also, right? Because I'm not a perfect person. And here comes the music ready. It is unbelievable. Anyways, the music is playing. I hope you enjoyed it short and sweet. I am wishing all my friends and listeners a happy and healthy Passover with the children. Enjoy the children. Teach the children. And, of course, thank you to the sponsors and listeners. You know, I can't do it without you. Thank you to the production team. We have David, Kelsey, and Alan in the back. I hope I've left some food for thought. Until next time, I am Rabbi Sweet Jacobson. You've been listening to NRM Streamcast. And let's talk to her. And until next time, don't forget to think about it. There's a house.